0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary.
1: Discounts not available in all states and situations.
0: AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace, and every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hello, you're listening to the New Yorker Poetry Podcast. I'm Kevin Young, poetry editor of the New Yorker magazine. As you may know, on the Poetry Podcast, we ask poets to select a favorite poem from the New Yorker archive to read and discuss. Then we invite them to read a poem of their own that's appeared in the magazine. My guest today is Mina Alexander, the author of over a dozen books of poetry, fiction, nonfiction, and criticism the recipient of a Distinguished Achievement Award in Literature from the South Asian Literary Association, as well as of a Penn Open Book Award she teaches at Hunter College and the Graduate Center, CUNY. Welcome to the show, Mina.
0: Oh, thank you very much.
1: So the poem you've chosen to read is one we published pretty recently, Adonis, by Gerald Stern. What drew you to this particular poem as you're perusing the archives?
0: Well, um, Kevin, it actually sort of took my breath away because of this extraordinary voice that he has in the poem and the way the whole thing flows and kind of unspools. That's a verb that he uses, you know, almost like a theater. So there's this miniature theater of the sorrow and of desire and of this early life. I guess we all have that as poets in some measure, the pull to an earlier life, which is ours but not ours anymore. And then, of course, the way memory works, the other thing I wanted to mention was just the way the breath works in this poem. I mean, we normally think of poems, you know, in different ways, different poets do it, but cobbled together, stitched together. And there's certain kinds of poetry, particularly contemporary poetry now, where you actually see the stitching. <laughs> but with, with this poem, um, it's the voice and it's the breath, which perfectly suits two things, I think. Um, one is the image of music, the trope of music that is there, because music of all the arts is the one that exists in time. It doesn't really have a spatial form. I mean, it comes out of instruments, whether it's the voice or an instrument, but it, it doesn't, it's not like sculpture or a visual art painting or even a poem on a piece of paper. So it exists in time, and by the same token, it
1: vanishes. Mm -hmm.
0: And, of course, the figure, the Adonis, is somebody who makes up music, who's a composer, and we don't know if it's for real or not.
1: Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Well, why don't we listen to it now? Here's Mina Alexander reading Adonis by Gerald Stern.
0: Adonis. I forgave him the debt of having to explain where he came from, who his angry father and his loving mother were, or I relieved him from any excuse and sat dozens and dozens of years ago at the counter of Zach's Broadway and 103rd, he on the other side, his sleeves rolled up, his hands, his arms in steaming water, washing dishes and frying pans and talking music, His dream of studying at Juilliard, the tiny practice room. A rich lady from the Upper East or Upper West Side paid for. Listening all afternoon to him playing the small piano. His large romantic gestures, his hair wild, his hands and fingers amazing. Classic Polish he was from Little Italy. A high school dropout. Me, a graduate student at Columbia. Then, I left for a year in Europe, and when I came back, I looked him up at Zach's. The manager told me he was dead. No one knew the facts. I thought of him for years. I remember that we took him out for dinner on Amsterdam, and he unspooled his dream again and told us about the music he had written that week, conducting with one hand. It was a loss I couldn't recover from. I was awake night after night, but I can't even remember his name. I lost years ago. Dear Shelley, this was Adonis too. Praise him.
1: That was Adonis by Gerald Stern which was published in the February 5th, 2018 issue of the magazine. Well, I'm struck uh, hearing the poem again, well, hearing you read the poem, I should say, that uh, it's sort of one long sentence, you know, and how do you think that, you know, changes us and, and get, leads to that kind of, you know, overwhelming place that I think he conjures up in this poem?
0: I think that what he's crafted is is really the voice, and and you know the other piece of it is the intimacy that he brings right from the get
1: go and immediacy. Like In I, immediacy, I, I yeah, feel like so you're you're right there, you know,
0: and you feel so close, right? Because some poems push you away, and this immediately brings you so close. And and then even as he does that, there's this recursive piece, which is very delicately done, the sort of back and forth of it. Like, I forgave him the debt, and I thought, gosh, what's that? I mean, that's the mystery of otherness. When you meet somebody, you sort of, you know, you have to explain yourself, they have to explain themselves <laughs> in some measure, right? Usually. Um, but then he changes, and he said, or I relieved him. And you realize the way in which memory is indeterminate, even as it's so intense and filled with longing. Mm-hmm. And then the other, you know, later in the poem, he says, oh, the rich lady was at the Upper East Side or the Upper West Side. Right. And then towards the end, he, he says, I even, I think he says, I even forget his name.
1: Yes. Right? He said, I, but I can't even remember his name. I lost it. I lost it. Years ago. I and lost- I, I love that because... Oh. Uh, the names that stick out are Zax, you know, this place that is iconic for the poet uh, and I think also um, rhymes so lovely with no one knew the facts, you know. And the fact of his death uh, sort of fights very much against that indeterminacy of memory that you're talking about. It's a fact. He's gone. And he can't sort of uh, retrieve him, even though he's said earlier, I relieved him. But you almost feel like he's trying in the poem to retrieve him. It's like a fishing uh, motion almost, right. like casting out and, and hoping to reel.
0: And sort of reeling it in and yeah. going back and forth almost uh, like But that. the
1: line's empty, it feels, in this beautiful, powerful way. What do you make of that other part of the end, Dear Shelley?
0: Well, this is what I was about <laughs> to come to. I'm so glad you asked. Because you see... Shelley's name—he's not forgotten, Percy B. Shelley, right? Yeah. And Shelley is very, very close, but of course, Shelley's poem is Adonais,
1: mm. and
0: this is Adonis. So again, he makes that marvelous, delicate little change. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and Shelley—Shelley, Shelley, of course—is uh, praising Keats. Keep
0: praising Keats, who died very young at yeah. twenty-five, right. and Shelley died a year later in, mm-hmm. in this shipwreck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the other thing I wanted to say, and this is really very personal and biographical, is that when I first came to the you know, United States, we came to New York. I was you know, an immigrant, and we lived on 103rd and Riverside, and we had a small baby, and I was desperate to write, so I rented a studio on... 103rd and Broadway, and my first poems were written on 103rd and Broadway, so it has this iconic
1: feel <laughs> for me. Right, right.
0: And whether Zach is real or not doesn't
1: matter. But that diner, I'm involved mean, di- in that. Di- di- there
0: is a diner. There, <laughs> there
1: used to be a diner in every yes, corner yes, on I Broadway. Know, um, know. You know, and and it's in that way, it's kind of a... Uh, A romantic big R and little R, you know, Mm -hmm. Shelley's appropriate there because he's remembering place and thinking about the landscape, which is an urban landscape. It's not necessarily Keatsian in that way, but I think it's so um, poignantly felt.
0: And concentrated, right? right. I mean, it, it, it's so intense. And talking about the diner, I mean, this this chap, whatever his name was, the musician who's very beautiful and dies young. I mean, that, of course, is the image of the romantic poet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you have to die young in order to be a great, great poet.
1: Well, and you also have to be a self-taught, self-taught you know, right, genius right. from on right. high. He's right. a high school right. dropout. It's... Me, a graduate student. Right. Um, right. And, and I think there's also that tension between, as you say, sort of the imagined excellence or, or perfection of the imagination, maybe you perhaps not realized, and then the crafted thing that, you know, um, can be hard fought. And I think Stern in all his poems is really wrestling with how do you become, you know, uh, this poet who, who thinks about the self, but also you know this—the self in the biggest Whitman-esque way. Right. You know, and he's a kind of figure of the poet, as you said.
0: Yeah, and also the self reaching exactly. You know, I'm large; I contain <laughs> multitudes, yeah. that and, and in this sense, the multitudes are parts of the remembered world, which also are not remembered, but are made up in the imagination, right?
1: Well, and I think Stern is very much a poet of you have overlooked this thing, you know, and he's helping us to see that these small little geniuses are everywhere. They're in your diner. They're in your neighborhood. They might be you. And I think there's something in his work that's very generous in that way. And he's praising, he's a poet of praise, I think, uh, but not a poet of praise like everything's great. It's a poet of praise in the face of loss.
0: And a poet of praise of... um the small details. I mean, you know, what remains with me, we talked about the diner, Kevin, that, you know, his arms are, are sudsy with soap and he's, you know, he's got his frying pans and his sleeves are rolled out. I'm making it up. No, his, his hair, hair wild, wild, his right, hands right, right, and right, fingers right. amazing. So, ver- so very much that. But also we don't actually know if he composed the music or not. And that's part of the richness of the poem, the the knowing and the not knowing, which is what memory forces for us. You know, the other thing that really haunted me about this poem is I kept thinking about migration and death as the great migration, Um, that that's the border that you cross. Maybe you come back, but only in memory, in the memory of others. And I think that's what he shows us in this extraordinary way by turning, almost like a you know, like a spear, he says, dear Shelley, Shelley is very close to him. Right. right? And that little change um, from Adonais to Adonis, I think is just fantastic. <laughs>
1: well, and he, it makes him this figure of beauty. And we remember that Keats wasn't Keats until Shelley and the, yeah. and the other romantics yeah. uh, praised him. Right. And so right. he is, in a way, making us making an elegy, making a monument to this figure. Uh, I want to turn to the poem that we published uh, on February 12th of this year, your wonderful poem, Kochi by the Sea. Did I say that right? Kochi, yeah. Kochi. Yes. Is there anything you'd like to tell us about it beforehand?
0: It's it's a poem that's very close to my heart, and it's about actually my sister who died last year. I'm sorry. And, yeah, and, and somehow she came alive for me. I had written some lines earlier, and then after she passed away, I, it just all came together. So, as with many of my poems, I started some of it in India, I finished it here. And Kochi, it's set in Kerala on the southwest coast of India, which is where I come from originally, though I spent many years in Africa as a child going back and forth. A part of the poem, um, The Strolling Into Water, actually references, it's not important to the poem, the Nile, because we live near the Nile River. Oh,
1: wow. How fascinating. S-
0: yeah. So, you know, in Khartoum. Um, so anyways, but that's not really relevant to what Well, it's, it's
1: interesting to it's our just- listeners. <laughs> well, here's Mina Alexander reading a poem, Kochi by the Sea.
0: I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. Bruised indigo, the kind you left on your thigh that awful night when no one could come near you. On the road from the hospital, you pass me the prescription. Same? I peer the nod short-sighted already. You crane your neck, point out rain clouds. Knocker. The sky has pink streaks shiny as a shell. You always saw those things so well. You were the artistic one, keen and lovely. I was your shadow self strolling into water, lying in wait for boys so they could burn away the hurt in me. My hair black and angular, cut into wedge shapes, flapping like sails. At six, you hid in the attic, scrawling half inch creatures, scarlet word balloons jostling their lips, radiant ciphers no one could tell, your imaginary friend Susie Kali with corkscrew curls, mad Toma axe in hand. Sometimes you gathered stray cats, fed them milk from Mama's refrigerator, bits of bread soaked in honey. You sang to them, "O Shenandoah," your voice rising to the locust trees. This road is covered with rocks and dirt. Buses with pilgrims hurtle past. You squint at a boy peddling his cycle rickshaw, close, far too close. Drops of mud splatter us both. You lean sideways touch my cheek. Let's live in Kochi by the sea, find a house with a white balcony. I think the angels will call on me.
1: That's beautiful. That was Kochi by the Sea by Mina Alexander. Thank you very much. So I wanted to just talk a little bit about the poem. I I think you almost told us what we needed to know, but um, I'm struck again by the form and the way that it's in couplets. And it sounds sort of, uh, has that feel of memory that the stern has, but it's very different. It it feels more precise, like more intimate uh, in a way. We begin with that tin roof uh, and that awful night. But it's it's this mix of awful and, and beautiful, I think. It's elegiac, but also, I, do you feel like it's it's trying to praise in the end?
0: I think so, very much. I mean, this was somebody who I really thought of. She was an artist. She painted, she wrote poetry. Um, and when we were young, I mean, she she was the artistic one, very much so. And... I suppose that's a connection with Jerry Stern's poem. I never thought of that. That someone who's this wonderfully brilliant and in some measure unrealized or realized in, in, inside themselves. Gosh, I never thought of that. Oh, that's why we
1: do this. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, it just struck me. No, isn't that a striking? You know, oh. it, hadn't, it hadn't at first to me, but I, I can hear it there.
0: I mean, I just just see it now. Kochi is this amazing. Um, ancient seaport at the edge of Kerala on the coast and for centuries there was peaceful trade with the east coast of Africa with Rome with Persia and you and that's where the first christians came there's a first century church there's a synagogue there are mosques wow. so it's it's a very rich um, you know very mixed kind of culture right. hybrid hybrid culture um, and it's in Kerala, and, and you know, which is where where we come from. The other thing is that Kochi, she really did say that to me. She said to me, let's, you know, let's take a house and live in Kochi. So I think that to live in Kochi was really an overture, an opening onto the larger worlds that she and I both had experienced. Right. Um, and so the seacoast is, you know...
1: Well, and the uh, sea is this figure, I think... Uh, in Western poetry, I think of travel and and transit, great. but in world poetry, of as you were saying, this connectedness.
0: Absolutely, I mean, it's a great you know, uttara, you know, the the sagras, the the stories of the sea that are churned out. You know, the other thing, which is a connective with um, Gerald Stern's poem, is that I had a. African childhood because my father was posted by the Indian government to Sudan. So I went at five, and I turned five crossing the Indian Ocean. And I had to study Adonais by Shelley um, in college. I was 14. And so I took this volume of Shelley and read it. Back in India and read Adonais, and it blew my mind. And I thought, "Oh my god!"
1: <laughs> <laughs> Another sea, yeah, Adonais. the
0: great seas. Yes, mm, yes that's beautiful.
1: Yes. Well, and I love that the the poem creates its context. You know, it it, it creates a kind of Kochi, as it were, like a port of these many feelings that come and go, and these images that I think. You know, lying in wait for boys so they could burn away the hurt in me, my hair black and angular, cut into wedge shapes, flapping like sails. I mean, that's gorgeous lines that also conjure the sea. But think of the journey of the self and of the speaker in the poem. You know, we may not have been to Kochi, but we are already. You know, the poem really takes us there. Um what else would you want us to know about the poem? I love the Susie Kali, b- by the well, way. Well, <laughs> you know, Susie Kali,
0: actually, um, my sister used to make these fantastic comic books.
1: Wow. And Do you still to, have them at the um, chance?
0: Maybe in India. M- they maybe, may be. yeah. It's fantastic. And there was always this girl called Susie is just her name, but Kali means naughty. Yes. And and she always had these amazing curls these black curls and i remember her as like as as this image of this magical little girl who was very naughty
1: <laughs> <laughs> and kali of course the the figure
0: yeah i mean kali in malayalam means naughty but there's also the goddess kali you know right, who's right. the goddess of destruction and creation and and you know kind
1: of oh, maybe a poet's the... goddess
0: maybe it's goddess, I and mean, she has many, many lives. Yeah. So I think that this is an elegy, but it is very muchly, very muchly. I love this word. <laughs> muchly, I should use it. Uh, muchly is Hindi for fish. Um, <laughs> it's very much also a praise poem. Mm-hmm. What is it that isn't it Rilke who said somewhere, um, only in the land of praise can lamentation work.
1: I'm stealing that. I think it's a Mitchell. <laughs> it's
0: it's real Mitchell. I think yes, it's a yes. Mitchell's translation. of Wilcan.
1: How sure. beautiful. I wondered, uh, Are you? do you feel like this was the poem that you were writing about your sister? Do you feel like you're, you, there's more to come? Um, or is this part of a new body of work? I was wondering.
0: I, I feel, you know, it's so funny with poetry. I can never say I'm going to do this because then I don't do it. Of course. It, right? Of course. I mean, I'm afraid. But I feel that there is more. And... You know, I feel her close to me. It's it's so strange how these things happen where sometimes someone has passed, <clears throat> but you feel them very close. And then out of that intimacy, maybe a poem will come. But I have a whole cycle of poems I think about. You know, Kevin, just very small, intimate family things that I've not really been able to write about before. Right. I, wish I, I always wished I could, but I was never any good at it. So I thought maybe this will bring me to that small space of home where we all grow up.
1: Yes. Right? Uh, we would love that. Please please do that for us <laughs> and for you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This is so powerful to hear you talk about the composition of this poem, but also its connection to Stern's poem. Um, thank you very much. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Adonis by Gerald Stern, as well as Mina Alexander's poem Cochi by the Sea, can be found on NewYorker.com. Gerald Stern's most recent book of poems is Galaxy Love. Mina Alexander's latest collection, Atmospheric Embroidery, and the anthology Name Me a Word Indian Writers Reflect on Writing, which she edited, will be published in June.
0: You may subscribe to this podcast the Fiction Podcast, the Writer's Voice Podcast, and the Politics and More Podcast by searching for the New Yorker in your podcast app. You can hear more poetry read by the authors on newyorker.com and the New Yorker app available from the App Store or from Google Play. The music this week is the song Luna Bell by Clay Ross. The New Yorker Poetry Podcast is produced by Jill DeBoff and Kalalia with help from Hannah Eisenman.